Oh man, we're back together. We're back. Um, it's been a long time since we have like. It feels like it. I mean, the last thing we recorded was with Matt. Mm-hmm. So it's been probably at least a month since we've just done a regular session. Yeah, I feel I feel out of practice a little bit. Yeah, because last time was like, was like interview mode. Like I don't want to make right. Matt feel like he, like we have nothing to talk about. So right. I was just like, you got to have a million things to talk about. And now I feel like my brain is just right deep with topics i feel i'm, I'm kind of warmed warmed up I, you did a like, podcast yesterday right? yeah i was on uh the home studio hangout with um andrew simmons and josh frick josh fricking his oh, last name i forgot no. anyway we can edit it edit it in it's okay like a series boys Anyway, uh, they're great guys, and um, yeah, they had me on yesterday. I think it, I think that'll come out in a few weeks. So. Maybe not. Now that you forgot Josh's oh, last, yeah, <laughs> cut from the slate. Sorry. Am I loud enough? I don't think I am. I would game myself up. Okay. I think this is better. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. There I am. You've had a crazy couple of weeks. Sounds like. Yeah. A lot of a lot of moving pieces in your life. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um. Yeah. I mean, personally, I was in D.C. for like five days a couple weeks ago. That was really fun. Um. Turned twenty-three like two weeks ago. I don't know if I did. I don't remember. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Happy birthday, Tanner. Thanks. Very bad That's okay. I am too, honestly. Happy birthday. Um, yeah, and then... How was DC? DC was awesome. DC is a really sick city. Like, I love the metro. I love walking everywhere. It's really pretty. It's really clean. Uh, there's literally no music at all, which is a bummer, <laughs> but otherwise really, really cool city. We had a great time. Um, kind of made me realize like, man, Nashville's kind of just boring, <laughs> but, or it can be at least, I don't know. I but feel yeah. like DC has like museums and just different things that you can go and do that aren't going to like absolutely break your bank. Well, it's all free. Like everything there is free. All the Smithsonian's are free. All the like, like monument tours are all free. I mean, like all the federal stuff, like it's like a $1 processing fee or something. So I feel like I'm speaking about it from a very touristy standpoint. Like I would love to live in DC and go to Smithsonian, like go to the Smithsonian every day. Right. Go to the Capitol and tour. Like that sounds fun. Right. It is cool that it is all, it is all free, but like in nashville there are there's nothing you can do really for free because it's i mean it's you just eat and drink pretty much but dc was cool um but yeah otherwise things have been kind of wild a lot of a lot of moving pieces like you said uh regarding like 
full-time part-time burnout conversation yeah. all that is kind of has kind of like, accumulated kind of come to this interesting point i don't think that it is i think it may be a little bit too early to get into details with it yeah because things are still <clears throat> getting worked out but i am in the middle of like completely restructuring my like schedule and work life which is really cool and exciting uh and also stressful yeah. <laughs> but it's like good stress like refocusing rebalancing i mean it is kind of funny to trace back just the conversations we've had over the last three months and like how i went from i felt great to like i feel terrible and then there's all those conversations of i mean literally it's like everything is being addressed right now right. but in so many different ways so pretty cool hopefully maybe by next episode i, I can have like a more in-depth update on that yeah i feel like this for you just based on what you told me this could either be a season of like extreme growth through just like moving into new spaces to do work you know yeah or it could be like a learning experience of like okay how do i like manage like my time when there's multiple things that are like pressing for me to address yeah you know? I, I mean i think it's probably going to be a lot of both yeah so yeah i mean i'm very grateful i mean it, it, i'm i would take this over you know sitting at home doing nothing so i'd rather have the you know both is stressful like there's stress in being too busy yeah. and there's also stress in not being busy enough i think you know, grass is always greener, but I think that personally, I would rather be stressed from being too busy. I think I can handle that a little bit better. <laughs> yeah, dude. But yeah, that's uh, that's me. How about you? Dude, I've been, so I got sick like two weeks ago and I had to take some time off work and some time off music. And so last week was a lot of like me catching up and kind of readjusting to things because th some of the projects that I was working on like three months ago when I was just starting out on them, I thought that they were going to take like a completely different route as far as like scheduling goes than it did. But like one of the artists that I work with was just like just going through some hard times. And so we kind of put some of their stuff on hold just for a little bit until they can kind of I don't know the best way to say it, but just like catch back up, right. I guess, with yeah. life, um, which happens to everybody. Yeah. But because I got sick and took some time off music and then like some projects just got moved around, some new doors and opportunities opened. So like I'm now recording an album with somebody right now. I'm about to be doing like a ton of mixes for some other people that are dropping music. Oh, <laughs> right. And like, yeah, it's just, there's a lot of things like that seem to be unfolding in a different way than I thought they were going to. Yeah. But I feel like it's more of what I want to be doing. Yeah. So, so right now it looks like for my schedule that I'm going to have three projects I'm wrapping up Parker's album right now, starting Cooper's 
like stuff that he's doing and then Emily's stuff. That is horrible. I hope they can't hear that. Uh, that was only three. So, yeah, it's album mode. Yeah. For three different people, it feels like. That's crazy. That's a lot. Yeah. But it's, but it's, it's not, it doesn't feel like a lot because it's three totally different genres. So like, I feel like I'm putting on like fresh socks every time. (laughs) Like I work on like switch from project to project that it doesn't feel like if like those three albums all at the same time were in like the editing stages, I think I would get a little bit more. Like right now it's just like recording and fun and writing and stuff like that. Yeah. But I did have a really cool conversation the other day with my friend Jack Schrefferman. I think is how you pronounce it. I just I just know him. He's Jack, baby. (laughs) I don't think about his last name. But um, he was talking to me because he was he's I think like assisting an engineer here in town and is working on some pretty cool projects and that's like one side of his career and he's also a student at Belmont and. Right now, he's uh, like working with some smaller artists, you know, just. And he was just talking to me on like, because he listens to the podcast and has listened to our conversations and was just like, what? Like, there's all these different things that I'm gaining from, like these different things that I'm work- working on. And do you think that it is necessary to like prioritize one of them? Or do you think that like, one of my projects is worth like one of my like uh, ventures is more like important than the other mm-hmm. in the sense of like just what should I be spending my time doing, you know? And we got into this like concept of like in addition to money, like assuming that you're getting paid fairly for your work, what is like your currency in like these projects? So like for example with the person that he's assisting right now, I would say that he's gaining like some more professional experience Mm -hmm. um, as far as like scheduling, like file organization, like deadlines, record labels, like doing things like that and learning from a very experienced engineer and all that stuff. But like, that's just that's like the currency that he's gaining on top of money. Whereas like smaller artists, he's, you know, building up a community or like taking people under his wing. And I just thought that was so just interesting to think about when you're prioritizing your projects of like, okay, like which form of quote unquote, like currency do you really value right now? Yeah. And like what's paying you the most back, not in like a selfish way, but in like a, like, what do you value for your career? Like, what kinds of things other than money are you getting paid with? And, like, which ones are the most valuable, you know? Yeah, I love that. Yeah, currency is, like, really interesting. I also see the line you're drawing here, which yeah. is which is really great. I was, that was, I, I was along for the ride. This was great. Why don't you tell... Why don't you tell the people what we're talking about today? <laughs> uh, like, I think the title that we're working with right now is like diversity and skill set. Like, I feel like nowadays everybody's like, <laughs> everybody's a mix engineer. 
everybody's a producer. Yeah. Everyone writes their own, like plays their own parts. Like that's like the thing to be right now is like, I write my stuff. I produce my stuff. I play all the parts and then I mix it and then I send it through Lander. <laughs> <laughs> Lander. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and I, I think it's interesting to talk about like, okay, is just having as many tools on your tool belt as possible, like is that what is going to set you apart as a professional, as a creative, as a producer, you name it, you know? Right. Or is it that hyper-specialized one thing? Right. And that's that's something that I kind of wish I asked Matt about in our yeah. podcast because I feel like we didn't really touch on that. Yeah. Because I feel like he would have really good insight because he was a producer at one point, wasn't he? Yeah. I, I might be able to fill in, Yeah. like maybe outline what he might say. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he was a producer. He started out. Uh, well, actually, let me see if I can piece this together. The chronology of Matt Huber. Uh, he was a guitar player. Great. He's a really great guitar player. Um, he played live a bunch. Um, and then he was, I think he was like one of the OG, like Ableton church guys. Oh, and did a okay. bunch of like Ableton tutorials on YouTube back in the day, like a long oh, time ago. Oh, gotcha. And he got hired out of, he was in Ohio. He got hired to a church in Little Rock. That's how he got to Arkansas to be like basically their full-time MD. So, you know, he built built out all their Ableton and systems and all that. And he was, he was that guy. Yeah. Um, While he was doing that, he was also producing... Um, Do you know how old he was at this point? Twenty late twenties. Late twenties. Twenty-five plus, maybe. Um. Yeah, and then so he did did a ton of productions, and then he got into mixing. I, I think mainly because. Well, he was interested in it and like watched YouTube videos and kind of learned on his own. So he had that in his tool belt. Right. And then he started working with Alan and Steven from Joan and they like got the rough mixes from producing with, with him. And Alan was like, Hey, these are really good. I really think you can just take this all the way. Like, I think, I think you can take this like through to mix. And he was like, uh, okay. So he did. And, I think that was kind of one of the first like big mixing projects he did. And it was because like Alan like encouraged him like, no, you can mix this. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, he just started doing more mixes to the point where he just decided that's what he wants to do more. And, you know, kind of just shed all of his production work and only mixes now. So mixing to me seems like when it comes to like, being an engineer, like a recording engineer, mix engineer, producer, mastering engineer. I think for me, like, um, the way I think about it is like, I feel like mixing is the equivalent of like going to the convenience store and like picking something out, buying it, and then coming home with it. And you like spent your money and got your product, you know? Right. I feel like mixing is the most similar to that like concept of transaction right. whereas producing is so much more like i don't know like mixing seems seems to like be set up to be a lot more consistent 
of a work right. than producing is because yeah. like you, you don't have to be as like hands-on with the artists per se you know like where you're interacting with them every day it's right. more just like hey like i think you're the guy to mix my record like here are my tracks right you mix <laughs> it you send it back you get paid and it's done like, right i feel like out of all the career paths mixing seems to be the most like quote-unquote career-y you know yeah yeah I'd, like building a business around it you know yeah maybe mastering too yeah but the difference between mixing and mastering is like uh, mastering is um, low cost, high quantity. Uh, like it doesn't take very long to master a song, and, and, and you don't get make that much money per song. You know, yeah, hundred, hundred fifty bucks. Um, so the way you build a career in mastering is you master a ton of songs. Yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, mixing is, I guess, it's kind of middle of the road. It's like yeah. mid cost, mid quantity. Um, where you can maybe do two, three a day if you're really grinding. Um, and then, yeah, productions are are the opposite. Productions are low quantity, very high cost. Yeah. Um, I've been, like, hearing more and more about the L.A. scene, like, mm-hmm. through Matt, and it is wild, like, how much people charge. It is, it's hard to, like fully comprehend throw some numbers out so like uh ronson mark ronson 100k a song for just producing (laughs) and then you know like manny and goodwin and all those guys all those big mixers are out there are charging 10k a song per mix they're mixing like five songs a day so they're making like $50,000 $50,000 a day. So like they're, they're coming out every year with like 12 million. <laughs> it's insane. The, the sad part of that is supposedly they, they pay their assistants like minimum wage and treat them like garbage, which is really unfortunate. That checks out. Yeah. So, you know, they're most CEOs, they're bringing in 12 mil every year and work and then, you know, paying their, assistance that enable them to do that much work you know $15 an hour in LA which is like nothing yeah I mean I might be wrong but I feel like Manny mixing a song does not look anything like like especially in prep work right what like most mix engineers have to deal with when mixing a song like I'm sure when Manny comes into the studio everything is like like I would feel like the mix is like pretty close to being there basically because i mean they're so well produced their assistants are setting up their console getting the session to be exactly how they want it to be so that they can come in and like use their ears just to mix and like do their thing yeah a lot of times the assistants are even doing like pre-mixing so like it's already kind of it literally is already kind of mixed and then the main guy will come in and and like approve it it's (laughs) pretty much it might be the same as like when you go to the dentist and like the first person who like really cleans your teeth, right. like cleans them. Right. And then the dentist comes right. in and just like kind of peeks around right. and like, like oh, good to go. scrapes a few spots <laughs> right. and like. And he's the guy who makes all the money. Talks to you about your x-rays. <laughs> right. And then he's the one who's like bringing home the bag. Right. 
I don't know if that's true. I don't know if that's a good parallel. I don't want to throw Manny under the rug, but I think I feel like I think I, it's, I think I might it's be a, close. From what I've heard, I think it's okay that if we throw him under the rug. Okay. Um. Anyway. Uh. Yeah. So. Mixing. Mixing. I think. What made Matt a great mixer is that he was also a great producer. Mm. Um, so kind of getting back into this like diversity and skill set thing. Um, I think my overall view of it is that there is an in-between. Like at some point it probably is good to specialize in something. Mm. Um and if you're not specializing in that, you should outsource. But I also think that you should have like a basic understanding of like all the parts involved because that can inform your, the part that you specialize in. It's like for, for mixing, it's really good to understand what mastering is and what it does so that by the end of a mix, you know that it's set up well for mastering and like whoever's mastering your song is you kind of know what they're going to do. So you leave them some room, maybe leave some decisions for them. If you're more comfortable with them doing it than trying to do it um, yourself. Uh, and kind of, kind of what I think of there is like, as far as mastering goes, you know, mastering a lot of times is the first thing. I think we talked about it last episode. It's like the first thing to get cut from a budget for, for like a lot of indie people. Yeah. Um, but kind of the way I always think about that is there are people who, there are people who, um, have, have spent just as much time and energy and like, and like perfecting the craft of mastering as I have for, for mixing or, or producing or whatever else I'm doing. So I haven't put in those hours specifically for mastering. So like, why would I, why would I not send them to some, send songs to somebody to, to do that portion of it? So, um, but it's good to understand mastering. And I think it's good to understand mixing while producing too, because you want to be able to like, hand off the song to the mix engineer in a good spot. And like, you want to have a, a clear sonic vision from the very beginning, because if you're, if you're producing a song, you can be really creative and make a lot of awesome decisions and interesting sounds and everything. But if it's just like technically wrong in a lot of ways, like you're just blowing your speakers up with sub or whatever, when that goes to mix to get, when that goes to mix, it that means there's in that situation a lot of correction that has to be done. And a lot of times I feel like when you end up doing a lot of correction, the vibe of everything just falls apart. Yeah. Um so having a concept of of mixing and like what objectively sounds good and is correct makes you a better producer because yeah. you're like already hitting the bullseye sonically, which is going to in turn end up in a you know better project by the time you get through mixing and mastering. And that saves you so much time too. Yeah. Like if you want to have like a really thick synthesizer, like synth 
track, you know? I feel like starting out not knowing anything about mixing or like sonic separation, your first, the first thing you might reach for is like multiple stacked synths playing the same part. Right. Whereas, like, if you're a good, like, if you have a basic understanding of like mixing, you can make one synth sound like 10 when you're recording it. Yeah. You know? Right. Like, yeah, I totally hear what you're saying. I feel like that as as you're as you grow more in your career, like you said, you should probably get more specific as you grow. Cause I mean, if you think about it like when you're at like a lower level, I feel like wearing many, many hats and being able to do like a lot of things well, maybe not like insanely well, but like good. When you're like at the local level specifically or you're working with younger people, you know, it is probably going to be easier for you to make money if you can just do whatever you're asked, right? you know? But then as you're getting like more developed in your career and budgets are getting bigger and more parties are being involved in the record than just you and the artist, you're probably going to want to have like find something that you're very, very good at because like if somebody is going to be paying is willing to pay 10k for a mix they're going to pay that 10k to like the mannies you know the right. people that are like no like if i'm spending 10k like it's going to be on the best yeah and unless you're like a prodigy you're probably not going to be the best at everything yeah but it is good to be the quote unquote best at something, yeah, because then you'll be the person that they go to to make that money as a po- or to spend that money, yeah. Then just somebody who's like, yeah, I can like mix pretty good, right? I can produce pretty good. Like, there's no room for you anymore because like, they're going to be getting the best producers now right. and the best mix engineers. And it's like, at some point, you should probably just figure out, okay, like what, like what is my most valuable asset. Yeah. Yeah. I, that when you said prodigy, it kind of reminded me of Jacob Collier. Yeah. Because obviously, prodigy, like he's insane, ridiculous musician, you know, singer, producer, arranger, like all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't like his mixes. I don't think he's a super great mixer. And he does mix all of his own stuff, right? I don't think so. I I don't think he mixes everything. Okay. I think he... I I mean, I really don't know anything, but I thought that he did at some point. Maybe he does. I don't know why. I I, think Jesse Volume 3, I think he might have mixed that. Okay. Maybe... I can can't right imagine <laughs> trying. I can't imagine trying to like, like getting that session <laughs> sent to me. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, there was there was one note." And uh, well, I mean, pulling up a session and there's like nine thousand tra- tracks or whatever. Uh, uh. No, on the other hand, Kevin Parker, Tame Impala, pretty sure he does everything. Yeah, and. And he does it all really freaking good. So I don't know. I mean, it's uh, it's hard to kind of land on a like solid answer, but I, th- I feel like with Kevin Parker is is like similar to you and a lot of stuff that you're doing is like the 
the production and recording and mixing and like even mastering to to an extent is all just kind of bundled up all it's just all one process like it isn't as separated out it's just all like each part it, it it's almost all happening at the same time and forming the vibe where like it's very uh integrated whereas traditionally you have like it's more like separated out production mixing mastering yeah i i mean but the thing that makes like that i start to think about with people like kevin parker and jacob collier when in regards to i guess specifically mixing and producing like kevin parker like i love his music so much and his mixes are phenomenal his production is phenomenal but i feel like every time he touches a song i can hear him right in the song because his sonic fingerprint is so uh, stands out so much you know like right that for kevin parker's career and what he's doing like as an artist yeah he's in the best spot ever cuz like he has no loose ends that he needs to tie as far as like mixing and stuff goes right. but like i don't know how well Kevin Parker would do if he was getting the amount of mixes every day that Manny Mariquin is getting. Right. Well, I was going to say like, like uh, the thing that Kevin Parker specializes in is Tam and Paula. Yeah. (laughs) Like that's his thing. He's, he's an artist. Yes. And like, you know, he is, I mean, he does produce, you know, here and there, but like he's not getting, he's not mixing as a career. Yeah. Right. Like, like, He's not getting mixes in from just everybody and like sending stuff out every day. You know, yeah, sending he's out a, a celebrity. computer. He's right. Ta- he's Tame Impala. Right. Like that's his career. But like, if we're talking to the people who don't want to be like that, you know, like that entity, they just want to be a producer. They just want to be a mix engineer, or they just want to be working behind the scenes on many projects. Like, like I, you better hope that like your mixes can compete at the top if like that's what you like are if that's the service that you're going to offer right at at that level where you're making that kind of money if that's the goal but that's not the goal for everybody right yeah i do think the higher up you go or the higher up you want to work the more you have to specialize i think uh i think diversifying is what helps you get there though? Mm-hmm. Like if you are, if you do have a hand in each thing and, and at least like if you're like great at mixing, good at producing, okay at mastering, good at editing, like that's going to help you become a like really great mixer that can mix at a high level down the road. Um, I think if all you ever do is mixing I I mean, I feel like you're not as good as you could be, you know, like, like, uh, like guitar players, like we both like grew up in, in church playing guitars. And I feel like what that did, what that did for me was it helped me. I think that environment helped me be a better musician, not just a guitar player, you know, like a good guitar player like 
I don't know if we're talking just technicality. A good guitar player practices at home all the time. A good musician is a guitar player who has technique and some chops, but also like can be a band leader, can arrange a band, is list is uh, keen on tone, and is like listening to the rest of the band and like figuring out where do I need to fit in, and then also where do I need to stand out in some moments. Like, what's my role? Uh, if you don't have that knowledge of like, this is what the bass is going to do. This is what the kick. I mean, I'm thinking like a bass player now. This is drums. Like, without having the context of like understanding your role, like you can have chops, but you're not actually like a great a great guitar player has the chops and the awareness. You can play the part. <laughs> right. And, but I, and I feel like we see that all the time. I mean, you can, I mean, all the time here, especially like just people like a, kind of like a songwriter putting a band together. You can tell that each individual person is good at their instrument, but like they're, they're, they're it's like four different people. They're all playing different songs almost. Like yeah. you can tell like that dude's a great guitar player, but he's not listening and he's just playing stuff without really like regard for like the overall goal of like creating a great sound as a band. So that's kind of how I relate. I kind of relate that to like mixing and producing and stuff is like you have to have an awareness of your role uh, and how it fits into other people's roles. And like, I think, I feel like that's what makes you, really great at something and enables you to specialize more down the road. Yeah. I feel like the general rule of thumb is like you're doing your job on your instrument on whatever, on whatever role you're playing in the music when you make everybody else sound better. Yeah, exactly. Yes. (laughs) That's the short way of (laughs) whatever I just spent two minutes saying like, no, but that is like, I feel like people need to hear both. You need the long explanation. Right. You need to hear where that's coming from. Yeah. Because if you're like a young, like arrogant guitar player, like I was when I first started <laughs> out, like I don't give a crap about anybody else. Like I want to sound the best that I can sound. Yeah. You know, and I feel like learning that it's about the part, it's about the band, it's about the vibe, it's about the song. Like if you can learn that early enough, like, I feel like that's how we get like the craziest musicians. Right. I think of like the Grateful Dead. <laughs> yeah. Like apart from Jerry Garcia, I'm, I'm this might be a very controversial statement. When I listen to the Dead play, like everybody besides Jerry, like they're a band. Yeah. And they play like I don't like I don't necessarily see like the most insane chops. Like right. coming from like Bob Weir. Right. And I don't know anybody else in the band, but you know what I'm saying. But like when they play together, it's like magic. Yeah. And they create that sound. And then like Jerry Garcia, I guess now John Mayer. Right. Like on top of that is like John's playing and like his ability to be awesome makes the the rest of the band sound good just as equally as the band sounding awesome and playing the parts that they should makes John sound good. Right. It's like a, it is a like symbiotic, like 
living relationship when you're playing music right. at any capacity. Yeah, and I mean, just like how your job as a mixer is to make the producer sound really good and make the artist sound really good and help the mastering engineer sound really good too. Yeah. Like, yeah, and the producer a, makes the mix engineer sound good too. Right, they exactly. Them, like it's it doesn't matter how good of a mixer you are if if the song is really really bad and in objective ways like it's it you know it's never going to be great same same with mastering if the mix is bad like the master is going to be bad too because there's no good material to work with i think the place we're getting to with this conversation seems to be like and you can correct me if i'm wrong if you want to learn more skills great yeah great you are you are technically sacrificing time that you could be using to develop one skill and if you choose not to diversify your skill set, you at least need to be able to think like the skill that you are that could be potentially diversified, if that makes sense. Like yeah. if I'm a producer and I don't really want to be mixing songs all the time, I don't want to be like technically good at the craft, cool, great. Strive to be able to like think like a mix engineer would. Right. And that means like you can you can learn the basics of mixing and get every single complaint that a mix engineer has when like a producer sends them like a shitty track. Right. You know like l gain staging, like levels, like harmonic content. Like yeah. you can just like you don't need to be a virtuoso mix engineer just to be like hey like low end is very fragile. And if you have a lot of things down there, like you're make, like things can just fall apart like very quickly. Yeah. And I don't need to like have mixed 200 songs like a year to know that. Right. Like you can just hear that from a mix engineer and be like, okay, like I'll keep that in mind. Like, no, we're not going to like have two basses playing. <laughs> <laughs> right. I used to um, triple track Moog Model D like subs. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, this sounds sick. And I went center, left, right. <laughs> oh yeah. I was like, this sounds so sick on my KRK fives where I couldn't hear any sub. Yeah. And then I like listened to it on speakers that actually have sub and it's just. Dude. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. You gotta, yeah, that's where diversifying is good. And I liked what you said. You have to think about, you th know how to think like the other person. Like if you're playing bass, you don't have to know how to play drums, but you should know what the drummer is thinking about because then you can lock in. That's mm -hmm. how you lock in is like, think like a drummer. You don't, but you don't, that doesn't mean you have to know how to play drums or even be yeah. good at it. Um, and vice versa. Like, you know, you don't have to know how to play bass to to uh, to know that the bass player is trying to lock in with your kick, right? And yeah, maybe exactly. don't switch your kick pattern up every right. two bars. Yes, exactly. Yep, it's it's understanding your role in the context of everyone else's role, and like we started, I think we started to go in this direction earlier, and I I made a mental note. Um, part of what we talked about with Matt was. Uh, 
like the mix engineer's job is just is to just facilitate the like artist vision. Mm-hmm. So you kind of have to check your check your vision at the door a lot of times because it isn't about you and how good you are and your sound. And I feel like if you are like too hyper specialized and like I'm good at mixing the way that I mix mm-hmm. and that's it. Like that's not the point. You're, that that's not. That means you're not a great mix engineer because a great mix engineer understands like this isn't really about my vision; it's about someone else's, and I'm helping them achieve that. It's almost like diversify your approaches to your specialized skill. Yeah, in some ways, right? Like, if I'm a mix engineer, okay, I don't want to learn how to quote unquote produce or engineer, like re- be a recording engineer, but like, damn it, I'm going to know, I'm going to have like 10 different ways that I can mix this song and like be able to like diversify your mix portfolio Yeah, in a way, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Like that was like Inception. <laughs> I feel like this conversation is, is very Inception. Yes. Um, I do have maybe, maybe a branch off of this yes. topic. Uh, I think this is something I have been wanting to talk about. Um, And it's kind of with like my situation with the different, all the different work that I do. Um, So like to recap for anyone, like I kind of got into all of this by producing um, our, our band Fox Hall's EP. Um, We wanted to try to mix it. We were convinced by someone else that we should have a professional mix it. But through that, I fell in love with mixing by hearing a professional mix. And then I decided I want to do mixing. So from that point on, I have wanted to do mixing mainly. Like that's the thing I love the most. I think it's the thing that I'm best at. Um, and I, I, I still feel that way. Like I do want to do that mostly. Um, as time has gone on, uh, like really mainly like I fell into this whole editing gig. Um, and now like a lot of like, you know, prep and stuff. And sometimes I, I get a little bit like paranoid or, or maybe like claustrophobic there because I don't want to edit for the rest of my life. Like I, that's not what I want to do with my career. Um, and I do get kind of claustrophobic. Like I feel like I'm being pushed into the box of editing or prepping. Um, and I think that is, that, that might be a fear. Like some people have, I just wanted to mention like to share, but, um, I'm, it's a question I'm asking myself now, like, um, and right now, as I'm readjusting a lot of stuff, I'm looking. I'm kind of. I'm. I'm kind of looking at spending a lot of time on editing and prepping stuff. And it's really. I'm really excited about it. It's great. It's going to fill my schedule. Uh, and 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 has it has filled my schedule already, and it's going to fill my schedule even more and make good money and all that. But it isn't what I want to do long term. Um, so a question that I'm asking myself is like. Should I be 
putting this much time into this if I'm not wanting to do it long term? And is the am I getting currency other than a, am I getting currency ask. other than than money from from these gigs? Like, uh, are these gigs also am I am I also getting uh, opportunity? as a currency um and connections and um i think the answer is is yes um because i think that like every editing client that i have is also a potential mix client right yeah um like long term um it doesn't mean like i've had one like case study in that um where I, I edited for someone and then ended up mixing an ep for them and um it was really really awesome uh but i think a lot of most of the time it's like a long game kind of thing um because you build trust with people and especially in a job like editing it takes a lot of attention to detail and like um like discipline and like if people see that and then they're like, Oh, you mix too. Like, well, I have some stuff. I have something maybe you can try. Um, that was maybe, maybe that was just me like reflecting, answering my own question <laughs> on while recording. But, um, yeah, that's kind of an, like an offshoot of that is like, what if you, kind of start specializing in something you actually don't really want to specialize in, which I, I feel like is kind of my situation a little bit. I think about it in two ways. I think half of me is like, yeah, I don't know why you're doing that. You should be trying to do what you want to do. And that's like the idealistic, like, <laughs> right. like rigid me, you know? Yeah. And then there's another side of me that's like, do you know about like West Point? Like the like, military like, school? Yeah, the military school. Yeah. Like, I think it's like if you're a plebe <laughs> there or whatever, like, right. you have to walk on the sides of the hallways or whatever, and you got to greet your, like, any upperclassmen or something like that. Yeah. And you're doing a lot of cleaning, a lot of grunt work. Right. And the goal is to be in the military. The goal is to graduate from West Point and be in the military and do your role that you want to do. But there is a kind of, I don't know, like a shedding period where like even though like editing is excruciating and it's not what you want to be doing and you feel like you're being put in a box, you're also like sharpening your ability to like like see very like minute details. Right. And doing like like I'm sure like editing can get pretty monotonous sometimes. Where it, yes. for me it would like like, oh my gosh, like I fixed this problem like a hundred times <laughs> on like five, like on like a hundred different songs, you right. know? But it's like, you're 23, just newly 23. Yeah. Happy birthday. Thank you. Uh, and the way I think about it is like, man, like I feel like you're just setting up your, your 28 <laughs> or you're like 30 <laughs> right. to just be even like, even just even better because like you are learning the like sucky part quote unquote of like 
the the business that you're in, you right. know? And 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 that's probably going to make you a better boss one day as well because like if you're having assistants that are like editing your stuff or like editing your sessions like A you'll probably be a good teacher to them. Right. But B it's like you know how it feels to mm-hmm. like be in that position and not that like you're not thankful or not that like you're not appreciative of the work that you're getting but it's like it's not fun all the time. But I think that depending on your perspective on the situation, like, and how long you've been doing editing, like, if if we're if we're in like six years down the road and we're having the same conversation, I'd probably be like, <laughs> yeah, maybe it's time to like right. move away. But I feel like it's up in the air right now, man. Yeah, and not in a bad way. Right. You know, yeah. like, it can either be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. But it's like up to you to decide which one yeah. it is. You know. Yeah, and I guess the other side of of like specializing in something i don't necessarily want to do i used this term yesterday on the on the other podcast editing has been like a shoehorn for me into teams that are already built out that i couldn't have dreamed of being part of yeah that's real like like joan um like matt is always going to be mixing for joan Sam is always going to be mastering for Joan. Um, and they're always going to produce for themselves mainly. So like there isn't really a lot of room there on that team. That team is built out. It's been, you know, it's been a team for a long time. They have things dialed in. We talked about this, like being late to the party. Right. With some groups. Yeah. Yeah. I'm never, I'm never going to be able to mix for Joan because like, I, that's just not um, they they already have their guy picked yeah. out uh for life and like that's their that's how it works like usually yeah like yeah being late to the party like a lot of times people have their person picked out and like that's that's it that's kind of they're committed long term you know unless something changes but um yeah like almost like kind of accidentally specializing in editing has has been a vehicle and like a wedge that has like enabled me to stick my foot in this door of like team Joan and say, Hey, I want to be a part of this. And they're like, Oh, we don't have that guy. This actually you doing this will help all of our lives be easier and make us all sound better. Um, so yeah, I guess that's kind of the other side of it is I'm not, maybe editing isn't what I want to do long term, but it has, it has, a currency of editing is giving me opportunities that like if I had known about when I was in high school, I would have like, I would have been like, yeah, right. (laughs) Sure. Whatever. That's never going to happen. Discipline too, man. Yeah. Like I think sitting there like working hourly and just like sitting there, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, it's so real. Like, I don't know why that's so funny. That's just so real. Just <laughs> is, sitting there, man. It's just like, like I don't, I don't know like much about like brain science, but I'm sure something's going on. Up, like connections are being made, or like perseverance is being developed, or right. you know something. Yeah, something. Like I, I, I don't, I don't see where you're at as ever being a bad thing. I yeah. guess until it's like ruining your life, <laughs> like like ruining true. your well being. Yeah, so true. 
So true. I mean, and I also think back to full-time, part-time. Yeah. Like, I think that's part of being full-time. Yeah. In some ways. Like, sure, you're not a full-time mix engineer. And I'm sure there will be times where, like, you do have enough mixes coming in to where you can be, like, a full-time mix engineer. Right. But there's also probably going to be times in there where you, yeah, I got to pick up, like, a few editing gigs. Right. Or, like, yeah, I'm going to tune this vocal for this person so that, like, I can go on vacation and right. like not stress out, you know, yeah. like things like that. Yep. And being able to have that like in your arsenal to be like, oh man, like I got a two hundred and fifty dollar ticket, like, <laughs> like <laughs> got to tune the vocal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like as dumb as that sounds, like even just little things like that, like, yeah, can probably aid you more ways down the line than yeah you would think, right. But I will say, I do think in today's, like, in today's economy, no, it, like, in the culture of, like, the way music is made now, I think if you're starting out, you should, like, I started out on guitar, but I branched out pretty quick into, like, just music in general, you know? And I feel like that helped me a lot. Like, a lot, a lot. Yeah. And not just, like, like, I think learning how, somebody else thinks like another musician or whatever, like we were talking about earlier is an option. I think if you can learn those skills early, it's only going to make it better. Like not only can I think like a bass player, but I know what playing bass feels like because I can play bass a little bit. Yeah. You know? And like, like I think when you're learning logic and like when you're learning how to record, like soaking up as much information while your brain is like still young and fresh, yeah. you know, is like, is a good thing. Yeah. And like spending your time, like your high school time, like after school, like I play my guitar and then I record a little bit and then I'm going to mix a little bit and I'm going to like watch a couple videos on this and learn about like running a business and like just like growing those, like, I call it like getting your like prerequisites out of the way. Right. You know? Like, yeah. Touching everything a little bit. Yeah. Seeing what you like. And like, as you're growing in your career, like maybe start to like compile all of this information that you've accumulated and then apply it to like the thing. Right. Yeah. Like try everything, figure out what you like, and then figure out what you want to monetize. (laughs) Maybe even like figure out what, figure out what you like but then and then from there figure out what you wouldn't mind spending every day of your life doing yeah if there's one thing um and not to say that there isn't but like you can't do a little bit of everything at a high level like you you definitely can yes um but i mean i think talking like big big game like la top dog like you know it's Jack Antonoff is he's a producer like he's not really mixing he's not people don't pay him to mix right people pay him to produce um and you know same with Manny I'm, I'm sure that Manny produced at some point but like people aren't paying him to produce stuff he's getting paid to to mix stuff yeah and def- he's getting paid at his restaurant <laughs> yeah like defining your ceiling is interesting too like yeah because you are going like 
there's no way around like, okay, if I have aspirations to make a million dollars a year, right? like, great. But you also have to like be realistic with like, okay, well, like I got to be able to put out million dollar products, right? <laughs> you know, like million dollar a year products. And I would say for most people, they are probably not, I would say there are very few capable who there are very few who are capable of doing like making that money like in more than one specialized skill right. if that makes sense and I would say that there are probably even fewer people who can do more than two like I'm a fantastic recording engineer I can be in studios and kick ass I can also produce and and dial in the like best tones and like arrange the best and I can also like mix the best right. <laughs> and like like there's I, I don't know very many people who can do that transparently yeah without their like very specific niche like right i think like when you're when you're when we're talking like upper echelon of like just like the best of the best of the best yeah if you are good at several things, you're not going to be the best of the best of the best at one thing. Like like the Ron Swanson thing, like don't half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. <laughs> Dude, it's like baseball. There, right now in baseball, there's only one person who's like killing it at pitching and killing it at hitting. Oh, who is it? Is Shohei it? Otani. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Shohei Otani is like crazy good pitcher. And, a, and like one of the best pitchers, yeah. and like one of the best hitters, yeah. and is also an insanely good base runner. Like those are unicorns, bro. Like yeah, that's crazy. Like, and I think it's I think it when when you're getting at that level in music, like it's probably even slimmer of a chance. And but I don't want to like kill like if some like prodigy is like listening to this at home and is like I can do it all. Right. I don't want to be the guy who's like. No, you can't. Right? Yeah, that's like, not definitely not what we're yeah, saying. Yeah, that's not what I'm saying. But at all. it is like the the outliers situation of like if if you want to be like I mean, top point zero zero one percent at any one thing, like it's because they spent tens of thousands of hours at that one thing. Yeah. And and we have a finite amount of time. <laughs> like, you can only like if you're diversifying too much, like you're not gonna you know, reach that that level I guess so I feel like I had another thought but it left me I don't think I have any more thoughts I I feel like I do and now it's bugging me because yeah. I thought of something else but I'm not I don't remember oh oh uh yeah okay um finite amount of time diversifying right. looking at a schedule right. ceilings it's called coming back to me I've spent time I've had to spend time looking at all that in the last couple weeks because I'm kind of entering a season where I'm like, I'm about to have to be more picky about and, and more careful about what projects I take on. Right. Um, so I'm like, I'm making like Excel charts and stuff and figuring out what I get paid for what and how much time each thing takes on and stuff. So I'm like trying to figure out if half my time is blocked out for like, prep slash edit what do i spend the rest of my time on do i want to leave it open and only take mixes even though i'm not getting enough mixes to fill that time completely do i still want to do other edits or do i still want to do producing at all and if so how 
many songs can I take on per month? Trying to figure out how all those fit into like my week and make sure that to make sure that I'm not overworking myself. And then also keeping in mind that I want to have margin left to take on something that I really want to do if it comes up. Yeah. And I'm, but I'm still booked. Like, right. If I, yeah, like trying to figure out kind of another currency thing. Like I could, I could theoretically book myself out 50 hours a week and make literal currency, like just bank, Mm -hmm. just a lot of, a lot of money, Mm -hmm. work really hard, probably get burnt out again. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's kind of like comparing the value of having some time off, maybe only scheduling myself up to 70%. Well, I mean, you know, I could be doing a hundred percent, but maybe I, instead of working a a solid 40 hours a week, maybe I only actually work 30 hours a week so that I have an extra day in my week where I have time to take something that I really want to do on, or maybe do something for free Yeah, that I want to do or something last minute that needs to happen that I'm into, but then also have like at least a day off or to just not work. (laughs) Isn't it James Brindle? Jamie Brindle? Jamie Brindle. I keep saying James. That is always like, you need to have time set apart to complete tasks, but you also need time set apart to find new tasks. Right. He talks about you should spend half your day on current work and half your day finding new work. Yeah. Which is for music, not, I, don't, it, I think it's hard to break it down exactly yeah. like that. Yeah. But, you know, that, that the concept I think still rings true. Yeah. Like, yeah, you. it's almost like you're setting a time setting aside time to diversify in a way. Yeah. Maybe not necessarily skill per se, like hard skills, but just like maybe I'm going to like produce because I do produce and I'm good at producing, but I'm going to try to produce something that I like don't usually produce before. Right. Try something that I haven't. That's a smart idea. Like, well, and that made me think of something too. I think you may have started to say it, but like soft skills, like, this is almost, this is a completely different part of this conversation. If you're wanting to do music full time or in, in, as a career freelancing in any capacity, you can't just be good at mixing or producing. You have to be good at like bookkeeping yeah. <laughs> and like accounting. social media to some extent, yeah. and like yeah, accounting and like you have to know like if you want a business bank account. Like, okay, great. Now I'm going to have to file for an EIN from the federal government and then I'm going to get a letter back. And uh, once I have that, you know, I, can, I can get a, um, like I have to go to the, my, I have to go to Tennessee Secretary of State and pay them $300 a year to form my LLC and register it with the state. And then once I have that, I have to go to the county clerk and get a business tax license, and that's like $35. But once I have all those things, I can go to Bank of America and open a business checking and savings account. And then once I have that, I can get a debit card and like, uh, I can keep track of deductions and taxes. I mean, like, talk about spending half your time. Like, I think, I feel like that's my rate. My reality is like, half my time is doing the work that I'm doing. And the other other half is like all the business back end. Yeah. So... Yeah, I mean, just talk about diversifying. Like, 
being good at more than one thing yeah you do you have to be good at at least at least your art and then also money yeah (laughs) and organization and same with artists i think like you have to be super talented but you also have to be really organized and driven and like self-aware and that's like kind of like otani that's sometimes that's a unicorn like being super talented and super organized like there's not a lot of people that can that can pitch and hit yeah, dude. It's a good, it's a good And point. if you're not good at that, it's really important to have the self-awareness to say, I am horrible with money or I just can't keep up with bookkeeping or I don't want to deal with taxes. I don't understand it. I'm going to invest in hiring somebody to just take care of it for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's my period on that point. I think, I think that about point. wraps that up. Yeah, I, uh, I'm trying not to let my bias speak because I feel like I, I try to do <laughs> everything. Yeah. I, I don't know. I want, I think if you're young, yes, I think you should be doing everything. Yeah. Even if you're not great at it, find ways to like get better. I think like when I first realized that like, I was interested in mixing at any capacity. And we talked about this before the podcast, but like when we were working on my record together and I was watching you mix and like seeing all that happen, I was like, I like, I, this is not for me. Yeah. Like I miss me with all that. Right. You know, like, but then like, I don't, I don't know what it was. I, I think I mixed something just giving it a shot. And I was like, Oh, like, I kind of like doing this because I can make I can I can make my own process with like mixing and it and like the way I was thinking about it as being like all technical and like all just about like knowing the ins and outs of your DAW like once I kind of broke through that like way of thinking and was like oh like instead of like <laughs> like EQing with an EQ I could just like put <laughs> like the Echo Boy Jr. on and just turn the mix all the way up and then EQ and saturate that way and it gives me this cool color and like that's fun to like because not only did I fix the EQ problem but now I added like this cool color to the track you know like like I I was able to define my own way of mixing which I think when I mix it's definitely pretty obvious that like for me at least that I mix something because the way I like do everything like you told me like i have this like mid-range you have the the crispy high end dude the crispy upper mids crispy upper mids but like i i feel like not harsh like it's like it's like a good thing my my mixes like i they don't sound to me like 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 a normal mix engineer like did it right and i think like that's just me having the self-awareness to be like okay like i know that if i mix a song i'm probably going to like leave something on it <laughs> right in yeah. a way and it's and it's like communicating that to artists to be like hey like i'm gonna do my best to like give you what you want but i'm not necessarily good and i don't know if good is the right word but i'm not necessarily i don't know if i have the mixing maturity to like transparently mix it and you're not specialized i'm enough, not specialized right? that's yeah, exactly yeah. what it is and but like I can produce a lot of different stuff. Right. But like, yeah, I just don't think I, I would never see myself as being able to like make 
money, like make a full rate off of right. mixing. But yeah. I fell in love with it in like a weird way, you know? Yeah. And it's like, it's only made my specialized skill, which is production, like better. Right. You know? And yeah. I think if you're young or in college and like you have the time to just try stuff out, like do it. Yeah. Like if, if like, if you got a couple years left and like you, you, you're not really having to like care about the business side as much and you have that time saved, like, man, like go for something crazy, yeah. you know, like get better at something because it's going to help your thing that you love. Yeah. It all kind of bleeds into each other in like, some way. Like being a guitar player, like, and this is just another example of one skill helping another, like. If I'm a guitar player who also understands mixing, like my tones right. in the mix are going to be so much better than just like me knowing what my guitar sounds like. Like I can make my guitar sound good when it's just me playing, but as soon as like I get into a band context, like I can't be heard right. because like I have this fat tone that has no high end because high end on its own, like soloed guitar track sounds brittle right. and weird and I don't like it, yeah. you know? Well, this was a fun one. Yeah, this Any, was a anything fun else. One. Anything else you got? I don't. How long did we go? Hour nine. Oh, so we're right on. Like right on what we. I feel like I feel like we hit the sweet spot of like hour fifteen. I think I was thinking like we should try to get down to an hour. I don't think I just don't think we can. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I don't, we can. Yeah. I don't think we can, and I don't think it matters. If very much. I think if we like really planned out what we we're going to say, which wouldn't be any fun, right? Like. But I think our podcast goes long because we are airing out our thought processes, yeah. processes, yeah, in like real much. time. Very much so. Um, but yeah, this was a fun one. I think this is like a good, like, I'm glad we didn't do the interview today because this seems like it was much, much better, and it was good to get back into like the swing of things. Yeah, definitely. And then this one will come out. So we're this one comes out Monday. So. It's a pretty quick turnaround. I think it's one of our quicker turnarounds that, that we've had. Yeah. So this will be pretty pretty fresh, pretty current when it comes out. So. I do have a few guests that I am hoping to talk with you and like yeah. line up. But one of them was Coop, my friend Cooper, who goes by the artist named Casper Sage. He just dropped a song today. We were I was hanging out with him making music today and we were gonna do an interview, but it just didn't it just didn't work out that way. It's him and then another guy named Chris Jacoby. Um, he produced for like Penny and Sparrow. Oh, I love Penny and Sparrow. Yeah, and Emily knows him. And oh, Emily really? Was like, I think he'd be a great. Oh my gosh, I would love great, to talk. Yeah, to him. so I I reached out to him and told him that I'd talk with you and we could get like a hard date down. Oh, that'd like, be so sick. When when he wanted to come on, but I I think like having Coop who's like artist and is like making his business and yeah. is like has management and is like doing the thing and is traveling and playing shows and releasing records. Like that's a good side of that. And then I think like, I love Penny and Sparrow so much. And yeah. I think like whoever's producing their records, right. like I want to talk to, yeah. you know, I have met, um, oh man, a long time ago. What, what is who, It's two guys. It's Andy and, oh man, I forgot. Penny and Sparrow is two Emily's guys. Emily's like really good friends with them though. Really? That's yeah. that's so freaking cool. I They played a show up here several years ago when I first came up to Nashville. 
and it, it was like uh, one of the, the shows at Centennial and I like got to talk to them for a few seconds. They were like the kindest people ever. And I remember for me being so fresh in like big music city and like still kind of like not used to people doing music professionally. Yeah. I was like kind of starstruck, but I was like, wow, people can be nice and also be really cool and have <laughs> music careers. <laughs> it was very like, Talking to them was one of the first experiences I had where I was like, wow, these are just normal, nice people who do cool things, have a cool job. But that would be very sick. Yeah. Um, I yeah, definitely I have, think guests are going to be like, start becoming just like a big part because it's like, we talk about topics, but it's also good to just like, I like, I think it's good just for people to listen to people who are doing the thing, talk about doing the thing. Yeah. We don't want to just be you like know? an echo chamber. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm definitely excited to have more guests on more frequently now. We yeah. just have to figure out like how often and, yeah. and stuff. So but we're, we're super grateful for Matt that he took the time to, to do that with us. Yeah. And very much. Love him. He's, he's great. <laughs> and it like crushed every other episode that, we, <laughs> that, that we've ever done. It is now the number one episode. It's funny, like on the on the stats and the Spotify for Podcasters app, you can you can see like it had a few plays in the first two days, and then the day that Matt posted about it on a story, it just went. Pew! <laughs> we had like fifty plays on a single day. That was so funny. That's what that's what happens. My dream is that like our podcast gets stitched on like TikTok by like an engineer who just rips us apart. <laughs> 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 that That'd is my funny. dream. I would love that. I would love that. I, I feel like uh I feel like uh it would be really <laughs> we ride such a gray area line <laughs> with everything. I feel like it would be really hard to like find something that's like You'd have really to take divisive. It, like, way out of context. Right, yeah. Um and what which I'm proud of us for doing. Like I I don't I don't ever want I mean, I feel like there's so little things that are black and white, especially in music, so Especially I feel at like our we, age, yeah, I, and and especially with the way the music industry is right now, and I feel like uh, we do a decent job of of uh, kind of playing both sides and like you know being kind of in the middle. Yeah, I yeah, I just wish there was more of that. Like, yeah, definitely. This is how I do it. Like, right? It doesn't mean you have to do it this yeah. way, but here maybe you could try it you if try you want. It, yeah, <laughs> and like. Do you have a better way? Like, tell me. Yeah. Definitely. Like, please tell me right. your better way because yeah. I would love for things to just get easier. Right. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah. Usual close up yep. socials, Hernie Prack, Instagram, H E R N Y P R A K. And mine is Tanner.Ledford. And, and, uh, our podcast Instagram is sessionnotes.fm. We are not on threads. We haven't recorded an episode since threads happened, I don't think. I don't even I don't even think I don't I, have well, I, I don't have threads. So I, I don't really know anything about it. I don't think that's something that we'll <laughs> we'll do, at least for the podcast. So yeah. you guys don't have to worry about we that. We barely do reels. I know. I yeah, um I know. That's stressing Dude, me. I hate doing those. <laughs> it's it's like I can't as soon as I just see my dumb face I know like on that it's camera so screen. Annoying. And I like look at myself, but then I feel awkward for like looking at. It's just we'll have to rethink why our being an artist. Maybe rethink our uh, social media strategy a little bit. Anyway, um, yeah, happy Monday, everybody who's listening on Monday. Yeah. Happy any other day of the week, depending on when you're listening, and uh, we'll diversify, diversify, but not too much. 
<laughs> and also it depends on how old you are and what you want to do. But if you do, if you specialize in something, don't stress about it too much because you also can specialize in something else. I feel like that's that's like the roadmap of our conversation. Just just like just uh, make up the answer that makes you the most satisfied and just roll with it. <laughs> yep, there you go. This podcast is pointless. Right. Yeah. Sorry for wasting an hour, an hour and eighteen of your life. Good luck out there. Yeah. Good luck out there. See you guys later. later.